Hey, Alien Minute listeners, how would you like an extra bit of content from John and Mitch? Say an episode where we talk about things other than Alien, like the movies that we're watching, genres, time periods, all sorts of interesting, different takes on movies. If you want to do that, you can come over and support us at patreon.com forward slash Alien Minute. Pledge us some support to help us out and to get that extra content. We promise you it'll be worth your time. Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm Mitch Bryan. And I'm John Engel. And today we're talking about minute number 53, which begins with the Nostromo crew shaking around in their seats and ends with Dallas barking at Parker to knock it off. And we're joined again today by Tasha Robinson. Thanks for coming back, Tasha. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you guys? Doing really good. All right, so we're we're still in the middle. At the beginning of this minute, we're still in the middle of this takeoff, and it's a little shaky. And there's they're having to spit on things to keep them cool, and we're not quite sure how this is going to turn out quite yet. But we get it pretty quickly uh, from Parker when he announces "Walk in the Park." We find out that they've done it, but we wouldn't really know any other way, would we? That they've done it in that moment. Uh, we're just given a very tight shot of the ship floating through the frame and maybe even a hint of space behind them to know that they've broken the atmosphere, but that's it. I think we kind of need this line from Parker. So we know at that point that they've actually been victorious in their attempt to take off. It's also kind of just like an adorable little cocky moment. Like there's, there's so few opportunities in this film for the characters to feel good about themselves. And here I think you, he expresses just the relief everybody feels kind of the release of all of the tension of like dealing with the horrible alien eggs and the horrible alien planet and all of the unknown like he kind of expresses in this moment like all right well we've won and we're done and the music helps us quite a lot i mean it's one of the more beautiful moments of the score for sure and and then so we get these little victory moments these cuts we get parker yelling walk in the park i think we get a brett moment where he's laughing we definitely get a very relieved-looking Dallas. I mean, he looks wearily relieved in the shot they give him. And then we get Ripley actually laughing at something Parker said, which is a rare moment where she seems to find him funny for once. Um, but we don't get a moment from Lambert. What do we make of that? Mm, Lambert's uh, got the bad news, and she, yeah. which nobody else has at this point. So, like, I think they they kind of tone her down because she's she might actually be waiting to give them the bad news and kind of like letting them have a little moment here because they start like they start joshing each other and it's it, again it's like it's it's the classic horror movie thing you know either some something horrible happens or somebody dies like the tension builds and builds and builds to a crisis something happens and then you you have to have the drop off afterwards. And this is like a big drop off where they've escaped the planet. You know, Kane's kind of a problem, but he's in another room. We're not thinking about him right now. Everything's fine. So, you know, she's lurking in the background with the bad news, but she's she's not quite ready to interrupt their like their tiny little moment of happy feeling. See, as, as a viewer and a uh, and somewhat of a Lambert apologist, I really wanted her to have a victory moment here. I think it's <laughs> almost cruel 
to not give her one moment of happiness. And it, it seems to be that they've made a point just to never give us that with Lambert. Do you think that's true, Mitch? I think maybe she gets a moment later on, about five minutes off, she gets a moment at, at a dirty joke where she smiles. But no, I think it's <laughs> I think it's terrible. Well, I, I would question whether that is a happy moment for her. Right, really. right. But Could be. That, You're right. That comes much later. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really, I, like I said, I'm much more sympathetic to Lambert than most people apparently are. Most people don't side with her the way I do. I feel for her. I wish she would have gotten this moment, but we don't get it. So I guess that's that. Yeah, I've got to admit, I always considered her kind of the nothing character of this film. Like the, the character who asserts herself least and the character who's closest to kind of like a classic scream queen who's just like there to, to be the one who shrieks the loudest when the blood hits her face. Not that I'm saying anything about the future of this, uh, of this story from this moment that we're in now, but that's what, the, that's what she's there for, it feels like. Yeah. Well, certainly from this point on, I think that's very true. I mean, I think I've, I've taken a certain shine to her looking at it closely because she does articulate so much of the audience's apprehensions and fears for the first half an hour or so. But she definitely gets kind of pushed to the background by this point and becomes someone who just complains and soon will be the bearer of bad news. So I guess we can move on then. I guess we get one quick shot of the Nostromo reattached to the refinery, heading back to Earth, I guess. And we cut to the interior of the ship and we're sitting around. Apparently they've had a little breakfast and we're talking... Parker is leading the conversation about about Kane and what they're going to do next with that situation. But it turns into a little bit of a comedic scene, I guess. Brett signals that he agrees with Parker, right? So what do we make of that? He starts the scene. Uh, he's rolling a cigarette, like rolling a cigarette and like sealing it while another cigarette's already in his mouth. Like he he in this moment, he kind of feels like he's often slightly different plane from everybody else. Like he's he's focused on his like his ritual, he's making cigarettes, which I hadn't really thought about the fact that he's smoking in an enclosed environment where they're probably breathing fairly rich oxygen and they're all going to be rebreathing his secondary smoke forever. Uh, and nobody says anything about that. That's the seventies for you. Like nobody would have thought anything about that. You know, these days there would have been a lecture and then like in the closing credits, they would have said, you know, nobody got any money for the <laughs> fact that there was tobacco, but uh, like, he, I don't know, uh, Ripley kind of mocks him for agreeing with everything that um, the Parker says, but I get the feeling that he's just kind of, he's he's going along to go along too. You know, he, he agrees with Parker because Parker often has his best interests at heart, but he also, he's just very laconic, you know? He doesn't need to, to yatter away the way Parker does. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Well, I have a theory, Tasha, that, that Brett's a bit of a savant and social cues and so forth don't really interest him too much, but he is the brilliant engineer behind everything that's happened in this. But um, yeah, he is, he is, seems to be happy to let Parker be the mouthpiece of the, of the lower level, meaning the engineering level class that we've seen in this movie so far. He has no problem with that. Why did it, why does it annoy Ripley so much? Do you think? Um, I think that Ripley has just established that she's somebody who has very strong opinions and is willing to stand up for them. And at the same, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of heat in her pointing that out. I think she's kind of teasing Brett. 
and it might come to her mind to tease him because it's this is not something she would ever do it's just say right to whatever you know whatever her boss says i do think it's interesting in this moment i'm not sure whether this is established earlier but when she's mocking him she turns to parker and says your staff says right whenever you say anything and it's established that parker is is brett's boss that the two of them aren't just kind of co-engineers on the same level, even though they only get a half share each. Uh, you know, you actually have, like, one of them is in charge here, which actually feels very daring. You know, you've got a black guy and a white guy working together in the 1970s, and the black guy is in charge, and there's no other acknowledgement of it. You know, it's not underlined. It's not like in Star Trek when they, like, made such a point of, like, introducing racial diversity and they kind of had to hit that point as many times as possible. It's just, yeah, you know, it's space. Women fly, fly gigantic refineries and, uh, like, black people are in charge. Like, there's just this idea of egalitarianism in the future that's completely uncommented on, which makes it so much better than if they tried to underline it in some way. Well, and I think the casting is so significant, too, because one of the reasons— I never really thought about it. And I'm sure part of that has to do with the fact that it's such a mixed crew, both in terms of men and women, you know, and this racial mix, is that I can't even imagine anybody telling Yafit Koto what to do. Like, I looked at those two guys and I know who's running that show. Yeah, it's interesting that you point out that this is the first time they've specifically said that Brett is Parker's staff and an underling because... It just seemed obvious to me the whole time that that was the case. But you're right. This is the first time they make a point to say it. But, yeah, again, in the casting, there's no way Harry Dean Stanton's Boston Yafet Koto around. And it, I just took it for granted. We've never uh, we've never talked about that at all thus far, this far into the movie. And we haven't talked about it one bit. Yeah, and here we're not just emphasizing the, the employment dynamic. We're kind of re-emphasizing, like, the per personal dynamic like the two of them fit together so well you get that sense that you know like Dallas and his previous science officer these guys have shipped out together a lot and they know what works together and it's kind of it's almost mean of Ripley to be like needling them about how they get along they they get along fine they're very comfortable with their dynamic you know like Brett doesn't seem resentful of like the fact that the, the guy that he works with speaks for him all the time or that he talks a lot more he seems like this is a this is the dynamic they've worked out together and they're comfortable with it. And then she's kind of like flipping them crap for it. And if he was a very different person, say if he was, you know, actually Harry Dean Stanton, there's a fun thing on the commentary where uh, one of the in one of the takes she said, you know, he, every time you say something, he says right. Do you realize that? And he, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what your uh, explicitness rating is on this podcast, but he tells her where she can stick it, basically. And it broke the whole cast up and they had to obviously go back and retake it. But Harry Dean Stanton will stand up for himself. Brett's like, yeah, whatever, we're comfortable. And he it makes a joke out of it. Like he it, makes a joke out of his own easygoingness, which is pretty easygoing. It also occurs to me that Ripley is sitting just about as far away from Dallas as she could be sitting in this scene. Mm. And so I wonder if this whole discussion about your staff following you around like a parrot and saying whatever you want him to say. I wonder, is there any of that na aimed at Dallas? Could be. We could be in a little, I'm not talking to you kind of moment 
and they're they're having a little bit of a problem that's gone beyond that conversation. I've never really thought about it until now that you bring it up, but maybe this is continuing strife and a little bit of yeah, she's throwing him a little, she's throwing him a little shit from across the room, but but yeah, that's interesting, Mitch. I never thought about that before. Oh yeah, that's really cool because if that's if that's kind of an underhanded way of saying you know the captain needs to get off his duff, it explains why. I mean, we end the scene with him saying "knock it off," as though they're like. like in the middle of a food fight or something you know it's like his attitude is like shut up children stop misbehaving and that misbehaving is like literally 30 seconds of like gently riffing at each other but he still seems to really resent it and if it's because there's a subtext there about him not standing up for himself that would explain it yeah i was i had a note about this being yet another moment where dallas is starting to he's very on edge and he's starting to come apart a little bit but to read more into it makes that far more interesting. I think that that, yeah, that's a, that's a good note, Mitch. I think that he might've felt that her digs a little bit here. And that's why he's so harsh. Cause you're right, Tasha, that's they're They're just having a nice little time here. It's just a momentary, a little laugh they're having. There's no reason for him to snap so hard. I guess that, yeah, I guess that's the last thing that happens in the minute too. Do we have anything else we wanted to talk about? that comes to mind i really like your note about how they're positioned you know they're all kind of pushed into this like strange little breakfast nookie space together and it makes it feel very intimate kind of the, the space that they're sharing even though they're in the middle of you know one person trying to try to explain what they should do which nobody's listening to and one person like teasing two of them and one person resenting all three of them there's so many like little angry dynamics going on here and yet they're all like cloistered so closely together it just kind of emphasizes the claustrophobic space of the Nostromo sure all right well I guess that's going to do it for minute number 53 uh Tasha tell us again uh where we can find you online um, you can find me at uh, various places associated with the Next Picture Show podcast. Um, we're on Facebook, Tumblr, uh, Twitter at Next Picture Pod. You can find me personally on Twitter at Tasha Robinson. And you can find my writing about film at The Verge, theverge.com. All right. And as usual, you can find us at alienminute.com or follow us at Alien Minute Pod on Twitter. We're also at Alien Minute Podcast on Instagram. And you can come to our Facebook page and join the discussion there. So that'll do it for 53. Tune in tomorrow for minute number 54.